Welcome to Fetch Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome to this new episode of FEPS Talks. I'm David Rinaldi, Director of Studies and Policies at the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. And I'm very honored to have today with us Anna Diamantopoulou. She's a member of our Scientific Council, but she also holds more important positions. She's president of uh, Dictio, an important think tank in Greece, also member of FEPS. And she is a former EU Commissioner for Employment, Social Affairs and Equal Opportunities. She was also holding uh, several ministerial positions uh, in Greece. And the reason why we are interviewing her today is because she has recently been the chair of the Commission-led high-level group on the future of social protection in the EU and of welfare state in EU member states. So the conversation we are going to have with Anna Diamantopoulou will go very much on the line of understanding the future of social protection and the future of uh, of welfare policy. Anna, thanks a lot for taking the time. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for this invitation. And uh, I'm really happy and uh, excited that uh, we have this podcast because uh, FEBS has done a lot of work in many different uh, sectors of uh, the welfare state. And uh, I think that uh, through all these years, he has made very clear the importance of welfare state. Now, uh, my first point is that we all know that during the COVID, the unsung hero was the welfare state. I think that we all understood, I mean, all parties, all governments across the European Union understood that without the welfare state during the pandemic, it could be a catastrophe. And not only a social one, an economic, and even a geopolitical one, because Europe, after what we saw in the, concerning the, the war in, uh, in the European soil, we understood that we needed to work together, we needed uh, social peace, we needed uh, cooperation and understanding by the societies. So it was so important that the welfare state was the basis of all this. But the problem is that uh, although we know that uh, the welfare state is the crown of uh, the European uh, Union, there are many, many problems. And uh, the big changes in our century, and not only the crisis, uh, make it more difficult, more, it is more difficult to provide the services and the public goods it did in, in the past. So I think we have to start from the what the European Commission has done with the European Pillar of Social Rights in 2020. 21, which is a very clear signal that uh, there is now a priority on this issue. And uh, in this uh, pillar of social rights, uh, there is a commitment that a high-level group would work on this issue. And our uh, core task was to present uh, a new approach concerning the new services of welfare state, a new organization, and of course, the financing of it. Allow me a very basic question, because this is uh, even uh, for me politically and conceptually interesting. So everybody, as you said, has seen the relevance uh, of welfare, of care, particularly of our health sector, the education sector have been uh, largely affected 
different aspect, a different aspect of care in particular. And we have seen as well the, the relevance of the resilience uh, somehow, how, how, it, how it matters for our society uh, in practice. Then why do we have to defend now the welfare so much, even politically? Why not everybody somehow won't go back to finance, restructure, expand, protect? If this is the relevance, why we, we still, what are the forces somehow or the, or the difficulties that you see in which uh, uh, somehow we still are still not giving to the welfare the relevance that it has for the well-being of people? This is a, a very uh, right and deep political question. In the previous sector, in the, 20, in the previous uh, century, what it is important for the welfare state is to secure the life of older people and uh, the life of the most weak uh, parts of the society. Now, in the 21st century, there are some differences. Additionally, we have to work in a different way with uh, the young people and with the working age people. And uh, we have to admit that because of the big changes, and I'm, I'm going to explain what these changes are, there are big problems in our welfare state. There are economic problems. There are problems in the way the social investments are implemented. And we, I, I think it, it is understandable that there is a vast majority of people who, which are not very pleased with the existing welfare state. So there is always a political doubt. Should we give all this money there or it is better for each one of us to take care of his or himself? So what are the big differences? The first thing we did in the high-level group was to identify the megatrends of this century. Uh, what I mean by that is that even we didn't have any crisis, pandemic, energy, inflation, energy, poverty, etc. If we didn't have anything, there are four megatrends which change everything, which already have changed. This is the demographic problem, which creates a huge problem in pensions and many other issues. The second one is uh, the changes in the world of work. So uh, we have a 40% of people at the European uh, level who have a non-standard form of work. So this means that uh, there is a problem with the salary and uh, there is a problem with the pensions and the, there is a problem with the, their uh, security. So this is the second very big issue. The third issue is the digitalization there is a polarization in the labor market now because of digitalization. We need uh, urgently, we need uh, new skills, new organization of, uh, of companies. And there is a, a fear that the, the inequalities because of digitalization and because of lack of skills to many people in many countries, uh, there will be an increase in inequalities. On the other side, digitalization can help us a lot because we can have a different organization in our welfare state. We can uh, facilitate people to uh, come in contact uh, with the uh, services, with the health organizations, etc. And of course, uh, it is very helpful to education uh, systems as we saw during the COVID. And the fourth one, it is the climate crisis and the green transition. And the climate crisis on the one side creates uh, problems um, 
in uh, material issues. So we have uh, catastrophes in the houses, in cars, in shops, in enterprises, in companies, and health issues, new health issues. And in these cases, it is always a problem for the middle class and for the poor people how to deal with this catastrophe because the states cannot really reimburse everything. On the other side, we have the green transition. And it means, and because of the Green Deal, that we are responsible in each country to fundamentally reform the enterprises, the houses, the way we build the houses, the way we live every day, what we eat, how we uh, we consume. So all these four uh, megatrends have an impact to the social services and to the welfare state, and it is already visible to the people. So our the first part of our uh, report, in a very documented way and with cooperation with uh, many institutes and uh, international organizations, as OECD, we presented uh, in a qualitative and in a quantitative way the impact on the social of the welfare state. And then we propose some policy options and we did it in a quite different way. So what we decided is to present an holistic approach in a a way of a life cycle perspective. So we said that we cannot just have separated policies, you know, children, uh, women, uh, disabled people, uh, pensioners, etc. We said we have to see it as a cycle. And it is very, very obvious. And we have a lot of documentation and best cases on that, that when we invest in children, then we see that they have a better possibility to participate in uh, the educational system and then in the labor market and then in their pensions and then a better health when they are over 50 uh, years old. What is the advantage of this uh, life cycle approach to welfare? Where, where do you see the novelty? I see it perhaps a little bit more academically. And in practice, is it about uh, you know the ability for welfare to treat somehow the different service in a, in a much more interconnected way? Where do you see the real advantage? The first point is that this interconnection, when a a government, uh, when a state calculates every social investment or uh, any budget from the beginning of the life. So today we invest this budget to the child care, to the child educare, because we need education and care from the first moment. Then we see what is the impact in the youth, what is the impact in the working age, etc. And we see that we can easily prove it that any social investment, any kind of investment at, at the first step of our life, it means that we are going to invest less and less in the other sectors of this of our life. If we don't do it in the beginning, then we have to pay more and more and more because there are problems during all our lives. So I think it is always very good to have an economic approach because this is the only way that we can persuade economic ministers and make it very understandable for the enterprises as well. How important for the growth of the society and how important for the budget to invest in a way, in a very organized way and not just give benefits here and there. Today we have a problem with this, with a benefit there. Then we have a sudden problem, we have a different policy. No, 
we have a very organized approach. And what is the impact of that? That we know very well that uh, in um, the, during the next years, there are three sectors where the, the skills are very important. It is the digital sector, digital skills, it is the green skills, and it is the care skills, caring skills. We need carriers. And we need carriers for children. We need carriers for the old people and, of course, for the disabled. And there we can see how we can organize. Uh, there are two countries that have all organized the caring education in a very uh, concrete way, which means that we facilitate women to enter in the labor market. We make better the functioning of the families, any kind of families, and we facilitate the life of old people because you know that because of the demographic, we have a very big number of old people at the European level. So after making these policy options and uh, we have presented uh, many and I think very interesting best cases at European level, we worked on financing how we are going to finance because new needs, new organization, it means new money. We need more money and we don't have more money at the European level for the time being. Allow me uh, a political question before going to the financing. In the end, we are a progressive talk. So I want to reflect as well on what we can gain in terms of narrative. FEPS has uh, done uh, some work in the recent past on two issues that, that you have mentioned somehow the issue of care, developing a care strategy and you know, the idea of a caring Europe that of course takes, you know, it's uh, looking at the care services but goes much beyond that because what we need is a complete framing of where care is also able to deliver on equal opportunity and, uh, and equality. It's an agenda for equality in a, in a sense. And on the other side, we've been working a lot on child policy, uh, fighting inequalities that you were mentioning since, since the early years with the new concept of the child union. You also add uh, in the report a lot on uh, elderly care as well. So, you know, care uh, throughout life. But at the same time, uh, you focus uh, and you bring back some of the somehow the notion of families, which is somehow the, the beneficiary, if you want, of some of the services of, of, of care. So the families and not uh, not the individual. So just uh, trying to grasp your feeling on these two concepts, one of care and how much we can use this new issue to link together different things that pertains to quality of work, somehow equality, quality of services. Uh, so how much these this uh, issue can represent uh, and champion even the values that progressives want to see for Europe. And on the other side, a value that maybe too often we have left to right wing, uh, that of families, as if uh, family policies is only done by right wing people. Maybe we need to reappropriate ourselves to this because we, we of course, have different ideas of what are families, of what families are, and maybe we have also different policies. But we are doing a lot for families. I think, you know, even if uh, we, we have champion with the commission, I think about uh, Schmidt with the child guarantee, in many other countries is socialists that are doing it for free. And this is definitely a measure for families, but we are not framing it in that way. Are we losing something? What's your take about using the family issue and the care issue, how to place them at the core of progressive action? There were a lot of discussions on uh, how to deal with this family issue, which is uh, the core of each society. The first point is that we accept and we have to work 
work with the new kind of families. And uh, I think it is a, a, a step forward to understand that our society has different kinds of families. But whatever the family is, it is the fundamental uh, stone of the society. Second issue that we discussed a lot was uh, if in a family we have to approach the welfare social policies at an individual level or at a family level. Should we see the man, the woman, or the father, the mother, uh, the children, uh, the parents, and uh, the children separately? There are some feminist organizations uh, who insist that we have to see them separately. For example, the taxation issue or the skills issue. The main idea in the report is that uh, we have to see the family as a whole and to provide them according to the situation with particular income and services. When I, I talk about services, I mean social investment. So when we talk about family, what it means, first of all, in a family, maybe there are old people. And in these cases, it is the role of women, 99%, who have to take care of the old people. So women have to leave their job or they have to change the job. They cannot have a career. So first of all, the uh, social protection system has to provide caring for, for the older people. Then a family have young children, have babies and have children under three years old or under four years old. Again, it is the welfare state who has to present to provide uh, the family with this kind of services. And there, it is our first uh, recommendation. We haven't uh, talked about it. The first recommendation is that now, according to all studies, all children must have uh, an access to uh, educare when they are under three years old. Until now, we are talking about four or five, under three years old. And this must be affordable for, the, for all families, but it must be free for families who cannot afford them. So it is a matter of equality in the beginning of our lives, this access to this high quality educare. And I think this is the most important recommendation. And then it means that family has a better, both parents have a, a better perspective in their lives. And uh, where is the problem in this kind of families, particularly single mothers and, and uh, families with many children? And these are the priorities that we have to support the provision of uh, social investment in families. So what we can say as progressives, it is that, of course, family is the core of the society. And it is the welfare state who takes into account the family as a whole, the individual, each individual. And the conclusion, the result is that then after providing families with this kind of social investment, all life is better. And all people of this family have a better perspective in their lives. Thanks a lot uh, for this. Uh, I want to touch upon two other important topics that you, that you mentioned, uh, that you cover uh, with the report is that of uh, social protection and uh, the protection of adequate incomes as well. And I would like to link this to the other activities that the Commission uh, has done in terms of putting out proposals for this. We had, uh, of course, um, the, the cushion on uh, minimum and adequate uh, wages on the side of the Commission led by the initiative of uh, Commissioner Schmidt. But at the same time, we also had uh, during COVID the uh, Shure. It was uh, temporarily, but a good way to somehow do some counter-cyclical policies that, that helps member states to protect income in a moment in which it was it was difficult. So can we go in the direction of the EU and the Commission realize that perhaps 
such system of EU buffer that help member states to sustain income during recessions can be a good thing to help us going back to a decent recovery faster. The other would be on social protection, because not too long ago, but before uh, before COVID, there was also a proposal linked to the pillar of social rights of uh, social protection for all that didn't go anywhere. Uh, so the feeling is, what's next here? What can we expect? Yeah, from from social protection after you know, of course, uh, your exercise was very much of that of a reflection that gives input to the commission. But where uh, do you see hope, if you see any? Uh, the first question: uh, It is not only sure; it is the RRF and it is the Youth Guarantee uh, Initiative, which, uh, if I remember well, it started from Laszlo Andor, which is uh, now the CEO of, of uh, the General Secretary of. Um, FEPS. And uh, it is true that Commissioner Smith uh, has done a lot. I think uh, what has been done these last years on the social issues and welfare state haven't taken place for many years. And uh, I think on the one side, it is uh, the commissioner himself, the commission, but it is the situation we lived in. I mean, it made it very clear that we cannot survive. We cannot have any kind of growth or social peace or political balance or, uh, you know, what we have seen uh, with all these changes in the political systems in Europe. We cannot uh, move forward without uh, welfare state. So what it is important, it is, and it is in our recommendations, it is that, uh, first of all, what the Commission had started with RRF and SURE and Garadi and Youth Garadi, has to continue. Uh, it must be a concrete policy and uh, will support uh, according to the problems we have each time. But what it is most important, it is that uh, you used the word uh, resilience, and I think this is the most uh, important word for the future, that each welfare state or each state has its country has to go on with resilient uh, policies. And it means that we propose state funds or policies in place in the pipeline in case of a pandemic or a case of a crisis. So we show how important it is that in these cases, we, that the state is ready to give an income, to keep the companies open, and not to uh, create a, a house and a house. And so, what it is important in your first question is: first, the European Commission will continue what it started because of COVID. Second, uh, to continue all these discussions uh, regarding uh, energy and energy poverty and support uh, uh, of governments, which, to my point of view, it's not uh, of the report. It is uh, to have more uh, cooperation and deeper policies at the European uh, level. Now, uh, what uh, we expect, you know, that it is what is very common at European level is to have all these reports and then to put them in a drawer and that's in, that's that's all. Uh, what uh, we try, the eleven members of the uh, of the high level group, and uh, I have to thank them in public and uh, to tell you that uh, these uh, people, these uh, professors, are some of the most important people at the European level and from all uh, corners of Europe on these issues. And uh, we try, and we still are in contact to disseminate all the the, the data and the proposals and the recommendations of the report. I have represented it in. Um, in the Swedish during the Swedish presidency uh, in the Council of Ministers, I have presented it in Madrid because they are going to have it as a priority in during the Spanish presidency. 
I presented it to the Belgium group of people who work for the Belgian presidency. So it will be in the agenda for three presidencies. And I believe that uh, it's really uh, very important. And now I present it in the parliament. Now I have uh, a third uh, discussion with EPUC in uh, Naples, I think it is in June. And uh, we'll try now with uh, EPUC to organize events in all countries, so to present the event and to EPUC organizes it to uh, invite uh, the parties, uh, the business enterprise, etc. It's good to see uh, that progressives uh, somehow in different member states, you mentioned Spain and Belgium, can help us make the difference for a more caring uh, Europe that is able mm-hmm. And difference. in Sweden, during the Swedish presidency, we have arranged it with the previous government. <laughs> but uh, I have to, to accept that this government uh, has not changed anything and uh, has accepted in a, in a very positive way. But of course, Sweden has more or less uh, done all of what we propose. They are on board, provided we recognize that they are one step ahead, uh, perhaps. But That's this is actually also what uh, what the European Union is about, uh, in a sense. Uh, from some of the member foundation of FEPS, when we when we discuss about social policies and what Europe should do, there is really the feeling that they would like Europe to work as a, somehow very actively in pushing uh, member states to increase their standards. This is uh, somehow, because the European Union is not only about co-financing, uh, sometimes it's coordination of policies, which I think we can still do a lot uh, for a more social Europe, but that of minimum standard. You you, you speak a bit on, uh, in, the, in the report about uh, delivering on high quality services, not... Uh, so have you understood what's the trick in order to ensure the services of high quality so that we don't have you know, the group A with good quality services and the group B with uh, less acceptable services? Yes, you're right. More or less, there is a, a definition of what we do mean uh, by high quality. But of course, David, we have to take into account that all countries do not start from the same level. And uh, there are big differences uh, because of the past, because of economic crisis, because of different level of of economy, of different ideas, of different policies. But I think that it is important that in the Council of Ministers, even from countries that usually they are not positive with uh, social policies at the European level, uh, some because they don't like social policies or other because they don't like Europe to, to, to intervene in social policies. There was a consensus. I mean, uh, I was really very, very happy uh, when I saw that all of them, with no exception, were very positive with the report. And uh, I would like to, to focus and to underline two recommendations which are important for the European Commission and the European Union. And it has to do with money. The first one is that we believe that it is important for the European uh, a union to accept a common level, a common minimum level of taxation of companies and of capital in all countries. Because when there are differences between countries in the taxation, then it is the welfare state who pays the bill because they have less money. And of course, there is a very bad competition, taxation competition between the member states. 
The second issue is that we have proposed uh, the golden rule. This is quite controversial. And the golden rule means that uh, for a time, for a concrete period, we have to exclude uh, social infrastructure from uh, the deficit. And it is very important, particularly at this time, because we need new kind of infrastructure concerning children, concerning old people, even the young people. FEPS has done a lot of work for young people. I'm really proud uh, for the work you have done. And uh, we focus again that this young generation, the generation Z, uh, the millennials, even the generation A who is coming, there are totally different generations and with different problems. And particularly generation Z is this, what we call digital natives. And these people, and maybe Maybe you are surprised what I'm going to say, that we have all this consultation with youth organizations, and they told us that one of the biggest problems, it is the uh, psychological problems that this generation have when they are 16, 17, 18 years old. So we have to take care. The social protection system needs a new kind of care for young people because they, they are coming from a different society and they have to adapt themselves in a totally different world. So these are the issues that I believe are the new ones and we have to invent and to try a new uh, pilot uh, projects and this is what we do in the report. Indeed, the issue of mental health uh, is a serious one for the European youth, but not only, that's also why the European Commission will issue a European strategy on uh, mental health in June 2023. Uh, Let's hope that we will do something in this direction, but I hope we will do something in the the two directions that you have highlighted to ensure uh, proper financing of the welfare state and somehow also the other transitions. Uh, on tax, corporate tax, uh, as well as on the golden rules, the economic governance is uh, under discussion uh, as we as we speak. But I'm quite sure that we will need a lot of political push to get this, so it will remain a fight for quite for quite some time. And in concluding and in thanking you for the you know, inspiring words that you share with us, I would like to ask you instead what makes you hopeful in the sense of what you think out of the, for instance, the 21 recommendation that the report uh, you issued for the Commission in last February 2023, what makes you more hopeful in the sense of what, what do you think you will, it will be realized uh, in the near future? What, what do you think will be the next change that will be almost immediately taken up? I think that um, what has been really understood by uh, its government at the European level, it is uh, the priority of investing, uh, of social investing in children. And uh, I believe and I hope that we are going to have a change there and the priority in all countries. Thanks a lot to Anna Diamantopoulou, president of uh, Dictio. And thank you, all of you. You find on FEP's website, a lot of material on uh, care and child care, as well as on the website of the Commission, the report that was the focus of our, our chat today, uh, the report of the high-level uh, Commission on Social Protection and Welfare for EU Member States. Thanks a lot, uh, Anna, and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, David. See you soon. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.